Well, how do you prepare? How do you get ready? Usually with important things, we tend to take great care in getting things ready. I know for myself, I had to get ready to do some live streaming. Um, as some of you may know, last week we had the AGM and uh, we live streamed it just to the hall. And before that event took place, I had to prepare. So I couldn't just rock up on the day and figure it out. It meant I, I had to pray, research, talk to others that have live streamed and, and test things out. But I couldn't do all this alone. With the help of God and others here at St. John's, we were able to pull it off. Today, we're going to be returning back to uh, Matthew's Gospel, and we're looking at Matthew 14. And in this chapter, I see there's a theme of getting ready with Jesus and the disciples. He's getting ready as he will depart them, and he's uh, developing the disciples in his absence. In the previous chapter, we had Matthew 13, and we see Jesus speaks about a prophet without um, honour. And so there will be and are people that are against Jesus ministry. We see in Matthew 14 now that enemies are drawing near to Jesus and to eliminate him. But we also see Jesus is getting ready for the adversity to come, for bringing the kingdom of God to everyone. And so he's getting his disciples ready. As I said, Jesus will not always be with them. Well, firstly, we see Jesus is getting ready. Why? Well, if we look at verses 1 to 12, we see that King Herod hears reports about Jesus and the work that he's doing. And it's interesting, he kind of makes that conclusion that, well, it must be John the Baptist. And so then we kind of enter this like update on what happened to John the Baptist. And we come to learn that John the Baptist was arrested by Herod and imprisoned. And I believe that he was arrested as he spoke the word of God and spoke about the affair that Herod was having at the time. And so there was a plot to uh, eliminate John the Baptist with Herod's uh, mistress, and eventually John is executed and he's beheaded. And this is a, a really big deal. And so we see that really even John the Baptist, he's an example of a prophet without honor. So John the Baptist, in some way, he was the forerunner of Jesus. He went ahead of Jesus and he announced that he would be arriving to bring the kingdom of God. And so how people treated John was an indication of how they'll treat King Jesus. So if John the Baptist was executed for following God and doing God's will, well, this reveals in some way a foreshadowing of what is to come to Jesus. However, it's part of God's plan that, you know, he should die on the cross and rise from the grave. That's Jesus' mission. And so eventually Jesus receives news of what's happened to John the Baptist. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was told that, you know, someone on my team or a friend has been killed for the gospel, I might feel scared, worried, maybe even run away. Maybe I should put a stop to Christianity, just let it go. It's not worth it. However, Jesus responds in a far different way. He says in verses 13 to 14, let's look at this. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, with Jesus withdrawing, perhaps there could be an element of him mourning the loss of his friend and disciple. However, Jesus would often retreat to a solitary place. And in these times, he would often pray. And so one of the clear examples is that night before Jesus was to be crucified, instead of panicking or distracting himself, he prayed 
about it all. But Jesus not only prays, but he also continues to do the work that he's called to do. He sees a large crowd and he has compassion and he heals the sick. When you are facing a crisis, how do you respond? Are you quick to get on your knees and pray like Jesus was in that time? You know, last week, Tony shared with us from the letter of James about praying during adversity and praying during times of prosperity. Why should I pray whether I'm happy or sad? Well, Jesus did it. And when you are facing a time of crisis, God is the one person we should all be turning to. He is the Lord of the whole universe. A great psalm I heard recently was Psalm 97 verse 1. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. If you really believe in the almighty power of God and he is reigning, we'd be praying all the time, asking for his help. Jesus is, is getting ready because he will not always be around. Secondly, we see that Jesus gets ready for his departure by preparing his disciples. And so in the next section, we look at verses 13 to 21, the very famous passage of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And in this miracle, I believe Jesus is preparing his disciples. And so we come to understand that Jesus and his disciples have traveled and reached a large crowd. Jesus has compassion on them. And we see that Jesus heals their sick as the evening draws near. And so as that night and day comes slowly to an end and the evening comes, the disciples request that Jesus tell the crowds to go away. As it's getting late, you know, they'll need some food. However, Jesus again responds in a way that perhaps we wouldn't. In verse 16, it says, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. If I were Jesus and I had the power of God, I would just click my fingers and make food appear. It would be easy. However, Jesus wants to utilize the disciples and therefore makes that empowering statement, you give them something to eat. In this time, I'm curious to how the disciples would have managed dealing with this situation. I think they may have scratched their heads and took stock of their own inventory. And as they reply to Jesus in verse 17, yeah, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. As they made this response, I wonder if they took into account who Jesus really is. They were limited in their food supply. However, if they believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the King of Kings, I think they would not be thinking that they are limited in what they can do. I can't help but make, think maybe they were trying to solve the problem without Jesus. However, they look what they had and they brought what they had to Jesus. And we know how the miracle goes. All they did was to go back to Jesus and ask for that help. So let me read to you verses 18 to 20. Um, Jesus says, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Jesus takes their resources and he multiplies it. There was so much food from this miracle that there were leftovers. We see that there is another lesson in how Jesus prepares the disciples. Straight after this event, we see the disciples jump in a boat 
And let me read to you what happens next. Verse 22 to 24. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside to, by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. The disciples are now in a boat crossing a sea and a huge storm occurs. You know, interesting to note that Jesus, he's not with these guys. So we know earlier in Matthew's gospel that, you know, Jesus has been in a boat with them during a storm. But now this time, he was not in the boat. I suppose this storm had occurred, I think, within God's will to perfect these disciples, to mold them. And I think Jesus is preparing these disciples to take courage and to know that Jesus is still king and he still reigns. And later we see Jesus responds to the situation again in a divine way. Let me read more to you from verses 25 to 31. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got out, down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Imagine seeing Jesus walk out on that water. I think the disciples' reaction is quite interesting. You know, they don't kind of make the connection to go, oh, that, that must be Jesus walking on the water. <laughs> Their initial thoughts are, it's a ghost or some strange apparition. These disciples are terrified. They're afraid. However, Jesus, you know, he's got to reassure them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And interesting with Peter, he, he responds with great faith and he takes that step out and begins to sink. I, I think it's easy to judge him. However, if we were in the same situation, would we have the guts to step out of the boat like Peter? Or would we be tempted to stay in the safety of the boat maybe? As we know, Peter starts to walk on that water and he's probably got his eyes on Jesus. But his faith sort of starts to waver and hence why I think Jesus says, stop doubting. What happened in that moment when in Peter's sinking? Why did he sink? Perhaps it was because he was taking his eyes off Jesus and he was focusing maybe on the events and circumstances around him. The water, the storm, the wind. He wavers. However, Jesus is very gracious to Peter. Jesus kindly restores Peter. I think this whole scene is an interesting scenario because we see that Jesus is testing them and helping them to trust him, even while he appears to be absent or distant. We see that the disciples, they need some work, but these are the stepping stones to what they'll become. Isn't it amazing to know that Peter's going to be the guy that starts the early church, the guy that was sinking in doubt? The whole situation, again, it just reaffirms to these disciples who Jesus really is. Have a look at verse 32 to 33. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, 
you are the son of God. Though the disciples had to endure a tough storm, but think about how strong their faith in Jesus would be because of this challenge they faced. Again, these are the stepping stones these men needed in order to become the witnesses of Christ to the ends of the earth. Jesus is preparing these guys for many storms ahead in their life. When we face challenges, are we keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus? Or are the challenges that we are facing overwhelming us? If we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, I think we'll sink like Peter in that challenge. However, we aren't all perfect. And the beautiful thing about our Saviour is that he will be there to help us, even when we don't keep our eyes on him. But I'm sure that when he does help us, he will remind us and challenge us to keep focusing on him in our walk with God. Well, lastly, it brings me to my point, um, preparing ourselves. We see Jesus was getting ready for his departure. And one of the many ways that uh, he achieves this was, you know, he's continuing with his prayer, serving, he's developing the disciples. Jesus calls all of us to follow him. Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Therefore, we must follow him. Jesus is preparing us and getting us ready for the various works that God has set aside for you and I to do. We see that serving Jesus will be no easy task. Uh, It's not easy because there is opposition to the gospel. Jesus had opposition and we have opposition to the gospel today. Although if we continue to have a relationship with Jesus and follow him, he doesn't abandon us, but he's with us and continues to prepare us to get us ready. I think we can take away many applications of what Jesus did in preparing in this passage. And so again, as you think about the different um, struggles you face and even a crisis, in the face of a crisis, we need to pray like Jesus did. We need to also prepare ourselves to the crowds like Jesus did. You know, we see with that random crowd that Jesus came across, his heart filled with compassion. He saw the sick the hurting, the weak in faith. He didn't abandon, he didn't ignore, he drew near them and he helped them. We also need to be ambassadors of Christ. You know, we see that Jesus cared about everyone, especially the lost. He wanted to utilise his disciples as he wants to utilise us today to seek and save the lost. As we try to to reach non-Christians and save the lost, we can't neglect the growth of our Christian brothers and sisters. You know, as Jesus, he did spend time with the crowds, but he also spent time with his disciples. It's important that we prepare others in growing Jesus, growing in faith, love and personal relationship. You know, I think it's really great to see that Jesus made time for evangelism and he made time for discipleship. Jesus was getting ready in the past and he's getting us ready today. How do you think Jesus is getting you ready? What do you think Jesus wants you to do? Where do you think Jesus wants you to serve? I'm asking a lot of big questions. I understand that. 
but hopefully you could be thinking about these things and praying about it. You know, perhaps you are already involved, you're already serving, but how are you getting people ready for Jesus? How are you preparing others to serve? How are you growing others for Jesus? I know for myself, I'm constantly challenged as I'm running different ministries. I've got to make sure that I'm not only um, looking after my leaders and the people in my care, but also that I'm preparing the next leadership. Again, more questions to think about. Who has God placed in your life that perhaps he's calling you to help? What I'm telling you may seem like a daunting task. However, remember that Jesus never abandons us. And I think we can take great comfort and courage in what he said to those disciples. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid.